Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. Into Tuesday morning we go. No matter what time Tuesday morning happened <laughs> to get back in town. You know, when those flights land at almost 3 a.m., it's going to be a quick turnaround, but that's what we're here for anyway, right? Good morning, everybody. Welcome to Light the Tower on the Horn, 1049, 1019, AM 1260. We're live, local, and digital on the Horn app and at hornfm.com. My name is Craig Way. Glad to have you with us. Jeff Howe will be along shortly. And, uh, yeah, a little quick turnaround from that game in Stores, Connecticut last night. Um, for a large measure of the game, pretty exciting college basketball game. Texas women, however, did fall to UConn, and we'll have more on that coming up in just a few moments. Our uh, producer, and of course, if uh, Jeff were here in the room in the moment, again, he'll be along in a few minutes, but he would ask me to say our erstwhile producer. <laughs> our producer is uh, certainly the purveyor of all good things, FlexATX, FLXATX.com. Because after all, in final analysis, Flex, he's Jonathan John Donaldson, Jay, Jay Donaldson. We know him as Snoop Daniel. How are you doing this morning? I'm doing good. Uh, this is the first Tuesday uh, without volleyball, and so I feel a little not – not a, like I don't have a plan, but I can do other things. Yeah, tonight. yeah. You have a, a little more availability is yes. what you're saying? Yes. Uh-huh. Well, and soon I will be very busy with hoops, and I might do some basketball tonight. But okay. I know we're heavy into football, but uh, basketball, uh, uh, your time's coming. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. Uh, we, are, we are very heavy, uh, no doubt about it, uh, into football. And plenty of football to discuss coming up uh, later on uh, this half hour. Hank Carter, head coach of the Lake Travis Cavaliers, joins us. Uh, the Cavs coming off a big by district win over Round Rock and uh, get ready for the area round of the playoffs as they'll be playing Cibolo Steel, a rematch. It's not often you get them, but it's not the most uncommon thing on the planet. But it's a rematch from a regular season matchup. And, and, it, and what I mean by the most, not the most common thing, for teams of other districts, obviously. So yeah, there's there's that. But they lost thirty five twenty eight, and had and and we'll talk to Hank about this. Remember that was the game where they did not have Caden Leone available at quarterback, and obviously didn't have Bo Edmondson at the time of the back injury. So Sam Self was was playing quarterback that night, and Sam's pretty pretty versatile athlete. We saw that in the game last Friday where he was. On our telecast for Bally Sports Southwest, the player of the game, because he had a massive impact on that game. Two touchdowns, at yeah, least. yeah, and a couple other spectacular yeah, catches, grabs. jumping up in yeah, the air like yeah. Garrett Wilson. Watch out! Yeah, so uh, <laughs> so he had to play quarterback that night against yeah. Steele, and that thing went down to the wire anyway. <laughs> down at Lenhoff Stadium, down uh, you know it was Steele's home game. This one's at the Field in Pflugerville. 
And that's uh, 7.30 on Friday night. 7.30. Originally, it was scheduled for 7, then they pushed it and said, no, it's 7.30. So it is 7.30. And um, is are, are all three games 7.30, including Vandegrift's second-round game with Brown? I Knight? thought Vandegrift was at 7, but I okay, could. Let me I'm, the, the, I'm, double check that. could be wrong, I'll, I'll, too. I'll, uh, yeah, I'll double-check that and get the – uh, we do know this, the uh, LBJ Port Natchez Groves – Area round matchup from yeah. from Road Stadium and Katie is at seven thirty uh, on Friday night. In fact, we should do we should do a little quick just a quick update because I only heard little bits and pieces yesterday because I was on my way over you know with the uh, Texas women's team for shoot around and the setup equipment and 730, all that stuff. Seven thirty, uh, Craig for for Bandy uh, and, uh, and, and what, Judson. Yeah, I thought yeah, so. Uh, I said uh, Brandeis, I meant Judson. So mm-hmm. it's uh, seven thirty. Mm-hmm. Uh, and uh, yeah, so all three of the games kick off at seven thirty, Snoop. So that means you've got your oh the full the full on the full Monty the full forty five minute Flex ATX pregame show from six thirty to seven fifteen, and uh, then all three uh, games will go to their individual pregames at that point to the broadcast booths, and then uh, and then they'll have it, and then Snoop will have uh, uh, the updates from the game at halftime and the and the postgame. Show as well, so we are we're deep into it. Second round of the playoffs this week. Uh, we should probably do this now. Now um, uh, that my co-host is here as well, and of course he's the pride of Northwest Williamson County. But you know him best after you knew him for his honorable mention All District offensive lineman days, wearing the purple and white of the Florence Buffaloes. Uh, but you know him best for his outstanding work at Horns twenty four seven. That's Jeff Howe. How you doing? Good. First off, good to have you back. Yeah, good to be back, despite landing it, like I said, at the wee wee hours of the morning. I'm glad to be back at the house. Uh, Run a little behind was doing some helping out our friends down the hall at Coke FM this uh-huh. morning. Uh huh. Chopping it up with Bob Cole and Eric Rains, talking some Longhorn football this did, morning. Did Bob talk any trash to you about the about the uh, uh, the Supreme Lending no, Pick'em thing? That's not going. Uh, so I well brought for it you up. I just said I need you to slow down a little bit, give Snoop and I some time to catch up. Oh, uh, we're, we're out in front of you. You say something like I might that. just have Snoop go down there and deliver a taser shot at some point. <laughs> no, <laughs> we, know, we know we know Bob can take the taser. Um, uh, and thank goodness for seat warmers. You know, like in Texas, if you have a car with seat warmers, yeah. you don't get to use it very often. Right. But uh, yeah, my my buns were nice and toasty this morning. <laughs> it did so. comes in comes in handy. Um, okay, it's like one of the few weeks out of the year where that's doable. Um, the uh, I probably should do just just quick. Because because I heard just little bits and splashes of of uh, of of you guys yesterday and, and I think even some on Friday night when I was in it at halftime of the of the Lake Travis round route game I went out to the car and was listening to the end of the first half of the LBJ game and heard Snoop on there okay um, Snoop quick pronunciation uh, update on you here uh, name of the school. That mm-hmm. uh, is out there Whoa. on uh, 281, Gosh. the Panthers. The Panthers. They start with a Blanco. B. Very good. Very good. Okay. All right. All right. I did correct him yesterday. Okay. Be proud the of name of the school that's Blank. playing LBJ in the playoffs this week. Port Natchez Grove. Natchez. Not Natchez. Okay. Port Natchez Grove. Like, not, not naked, not Nicky. Right. The name <laughs> of the school that's playing Thorndale. Begins Ooh. with a G. A Goana? 
Ganado. Oh, Ganado. Oh. And I don't know what you said about <laughs> Anahuac the other day, but that Anahuac. Was, yeah, you said something. Anahawk. Yeah, something. Anahawk. That was it. It's, it's, it's Anahuac. Oh. It's Anahuac. Okay, so just, just a little okay, pronunciation update Appreciate for you, there you on some of those. All right. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> so anyway, Hank Carter will be with us coming up. 1110, Greg Tapper, managing editor, Dave Campbell's Texas Football Magazine, will join us for our usual conversation, uh, our weekly conversation. We'll get his thoughts on the uh, opening round of the playoffs and getting ready for round two, uh, the area round of uh, the postseason as well. Uh, we have a Longhorn Notebook coming up. What do we have uh, on the notebook coming up here uh, this morning, Jeff, following uh, our time with Hank? Kansas quarterback update and okay. just some more general thoughts on the Longhorn. It's kind of shifting and looking at the big picture. Okay. All right. And, we'll, of course, we'll uh, have uh, Longhorn Notebooks each hour. We have a Flex 30 update coming up next hour as well. Uh, I did want to play one little bit of sound that uh, I got with Vic Schaefer last night. This was following the Texas women's basketball team's loss to UConn. And we were not able to have Vic on with us in the post game because they went straight to the press conference room. So we didn't, I didn't get a chance. So I grabbed him. Um, I, I can tell this. We actually did this interview on the airplane. We did this on the plane. So you'll hear our, our voices might be a little bit lower registered. Not quite golf voices, but but a little bit lower register. Um, oh, so you could tell the players are eavesdropping. <laughs> no, I can tell you. They're in the back of the plane. Oh, okay. They, they, sleeping oh. Uh, when this when it's going on. Um, but uh, we talked about this because uh, for anybody that saw that game, very competitive game, Texas led a lot of the first half. There were uh, 11 lead changes in the first half. But there was a late first half run for UConn. They were up five. And in the second half, they really took advantage of some Texas turnovers and kind of just cranked it in high gear, built a 12-point lead by the end of the third quarter. It got to 17, and then Texas made a real push, outscored them 16-6 to down the stretch, cut it to seven, and that was as close as they could get, and, and UConn gets the win. Uh, clearly, you can tell uh, that this Texas team is, is not as dangerous when they don't have Rory Harmon on the floor. And she's still working through that toe injury. And uh, couldn't go last night. Sonny Morris not only went, she played really well. She had 21 points for Texas last night. They just couldn't stop AZ Fudd, uh, who had 32 points, outstanding guard for UConn uh, last night. And they had all the big pomp and circumstance and excitement. They were retiring Swin Cash, his number, the legendary player for UConn. They had a sellout over 10,000, was noisy and all that other kind of stuff. Uh, but after the game, <clears throat> and like I said, we were actually on the plane when I visited with Vic Schaefer about this because uh, they've got to turn around. they got a pretty quick turnaround. They leave in about 48 hours for the Bahamas, and they're going to play three games. They're at the Battle for Atlanta, starting with Marquette on Saturday afternoon at 4 o'clock, which you can hear on 105.3 The Bat, and then they'll play two more games to, depending uh, their opponent depends on how they do and how the opponents do in the, in the tournament. So they'll play three games there, Saturday, Sunday, and Monday, and, uh, you know, talking about not having Rory Harmon on the floor. They had to have Shayla Gonzalez play the point a lot, a position she's not completely uh, adapted to yet. But it wasn't all on her either. There were other issues as well. But all of that was part of the conversation I had with Vic Schaefer. Would it be safe to say in a game like that that there are things you try to pull from it and learn from it and go for it for this young group? No, for sure. I loved how we finished the game. We didn't quit. We fought to the end. 
It's not like they emptied their bench. Same players that were on the last four minutes that were on the first four. I thought we had some kids that really fought and did some good things. Jacqueline, I thought was special. She's going to be an unbelievable kid, an unbelievable player. I thought Taylor played well. Shaylee's trying. She just We're asking her to do a lot of things, and it's really not fair to her. She's a new player in our system, trying to learn it herself, and then she's responsible for everybody else. And so there's certainly some things you take out of that game and you're very encouraged by and realize that you, you don't have your point guard. And our starting point and two had nine of our 18 turnovers. You feel like if Rory's in the game, we don't have those. How much work can you comfortably feel you can get in before you have to leave on Thursday since it's a quick turnaround? But then you got bam, 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 three games in a row out there. Well, that's what concerns you is our depth is our depth, and we're going to have to play three back-to-back-to-back. So I think you watch. Kids will have tomorrow off. We'll practice Wednesday and Thursday and then head out to the Bahamas on Thursday afternoon. So you got two days to try to address a little bit of it. Connecticut's really good at four players that really hurt us couple of guards and a couple of four players and yet we shot 51 percent and 44 from three i can't tell you the last time i lost a game as a coach where my team shot 51 percent from the field and 44 from three but we went 10 for 20 from the free throw line when we came out in the third quarter we just that's where the game was lost again we've practiced 32 days that's it we got a lot of new players playing a lot of minutes so we'll see yeah so there it is and uh they'll have to turn it around and be ready uh, to go on Thursday out to uh, the Bahamas. Knew I'd get this. <clears throat> My friend of Bud Belton says, Elmer Fudd's daughter dropped 32 on Texas because <laughs> her name is AZ Fudd. Uh, yeah, I- I'm with you there, Belton, because I uh, I, I joked about the same thing. Um, so, anyway, she's pretty good. Or she's elite. Like She well, is. Well, when she came, she was identified coming out of eighth grade as the best high school player in the country as a she freshman. A, she was the Gatorade National Player of the Year as a sophomore. Yeah. And she was really good at creating her own shot, getting her step back, Euro step, move around, scoot past you. She's the real deal. She can play. And and uh, Vic had a lot of different uh, combinations and, and guards on her, and she still got her 32 points. So she was she was pretty special to watch last night on that. And and remember, they don't even have Paige Beckers. Mm-hmm. And they're not going to have Paige Beckers this season since she had the knee injury. So that's two major knee injuries, same knee, different things, but same knee. So she's out all of this year. And they get her back next year. If she's healthy and makes a return on it, they could be really, really good next year. But they're going to be good. Uh, they're UConn. You know, they're going to be good. And I think that this Texas team is going to be good. It's going to take a little time, but uh, I think they showed some things. They showed some toughness there. Uh, they they showed that they do have a post game. Uh, if they can keep uh, Aliga Moore from getting into foul difficulty and Deanna Gaston, uh, it'll help. Uh, um, also, you know, uh, other players. Uh, he mentioned uh, he mentioned Taylor and, and what she did, what Taylor Davis did last night, uh, having that big post presence inside. She's from Forney originally, went to uh, play private school ball before she went to Oregon State, and uh, and uh, really gave them some good minutes inside. And Jacqueline uh, uh, went in Tonda. She's awesome. Yeah, she was uh, the player of the year in South Dakota, and uh, she could be she could be pretty exciting to watch. So so anyway, so there's a, a couple of a couple of items on that. All right. We need a break. When we come back, we'll visit with Hank Carter, head coach of the Lake Travis Cavaliers. Then we're going to have a Longhorn Notebook. Then we'll have uh, Inconceivable this hour. So we've, we've got a full plate to get to here. And uh, also, 
We'll have our Whataburger Top 5, which is a double meat with cheese edition. We'll do that right before we have Coach Carter on because what that is, the state rankings are done, and we know that. But what we do is we update the teams that are still around and the teams that are not still around. So we'll get to that coming up when we continue with Light the Tower on the Horn, 1049-1019, AM 1260. We're live, local, and digital on the Horn app and at hornfm.com. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. This is Life the Tower on the Horn. Craig, Jeff, Snoop with you. And we're with you up until the noon hour. Coming up in a few minutes, Lake Travis Cavaliers head coach Hank Carter will join us. And we'll talk about Lake Travis. In fact, toward that end, it's probably a good idea if we jump right into our double meat with cheese edition of the Whataburger Top 5. Now, it's time for the Whataburger Top 5. Okay, prepare to receive. Today's double meat with cheese edition. Here we go. Top 10 rankings. Okay, as we mentioned, once we get in the playoffs, we mentioned to you how the teams from the area are doing that were ranked going in. Well, in 6A, of course, you had some ranked teams in Division 1. Of course, Westlake, the number one team uh, in the state. They're still alive and well. They play New Braunfels Friday night at Rattler Stadium. And then, of course, we're going to visit with Hank Carter in a few minutes. They, uh, as Lake Travis plays Cibolo Steel, that's at the field in Pflugerville. That is also a 7:30 kickoff on that one. 6A Division Two. Uh, the two teams, two of the teams coming out of the area that were state ranked in Region Four included Vandegrift playing Converse Judson. They're playing at Kelly Reeves Athletics Complex, playing at the Palace Friday night at 7.30, and Dripping Springs is playing Brandeis. Earlier I said it's Vandergriff, it's Dripping Springs and Brandeis, and that's a Saturday afternoon game at Hero Stadium, and uh, that is in, of course, in uh, San Antonio, where Snoop Daniels says he's going to make an appearance. I thought I heard you say that yesterday. Will, I'm so excited to see Drip play in person. Yeah. Yeah. So... Uh, they'll be uh, taking a really good Brandeis team. We'll have more on that with uh, Greg Tepper when he joins us a little later on. All right, 5A Division One. Uh, we're not uh, talking about 
uh, state-ranked teams anymore, but of the area teams still alive, Georgetown in Region 3 taking on Magnolia West, and that game is in Magnolia. It's at Mustang Stadium in that one. That is in uh, Region 3. Remember, uh, 5A Division 1 had both Region 3 and Region 4 teams, and in 5A Division 2, same story in uh, regional matchups in 5A Division 2. That includes Rouse and unbeaten Montgomery Lake Creek playing in College Station at Cougar Field on Friday night. And LBJ at number 10 in that last poll playing Port Natchez Groves. That's at Rhodes Stadium in Katy. And uh, that's in 5A as well. Also in Conference 4A, in uh, 4A Division Two, big matchup obviously for uh, Wimberley. They look so impressive in the by district round of the playoffs. And Wimberley will play Orange Grove, Southwest Legacy Stadium. And Gerald is playing Port Isabel on Friday night. Lago Vista is playing Sinton in Seguin on Friday. And Ronimo Navarro is playing on Thursday night against Bishop. You realize, Jeff, you could have a Wimberley Gerald rematch in round three and the winner of that with a rematch with Lago Vista in the quarterfinals? I'm giddy with excitement. Fun. No. My cup cup runneth over. It's because of the Gerald prospect of it. Okay, all right. I understand that. All right. All right, so there's... uh, Make it the kids, Jeff. Yeah. Uh, (laughs) So there's the 6A, 5A, and 4A. We'll we'll do the 3A and uh, 2A uh, area matchups coming up next hour in our Longhorn Notebook. But right now, it's time for our uh, weekly conversation brought to you by Texas truck and trailer joining us on the vaqueros cafe and cantina hotline the head coach of the lake travis cavaliers who were most impressive in their 35 10 win over round rock last friday night at dragon stadium hank carter joins us now hank thanks for the time how are you today i'm doing good i'm trying to fall out a little bit but other than that pretty good <laughs> okay all right uh let me let me get your thoughts on that one thing i noticed in working the telecast on friday night was that even in the first half when things weren't going the best uh, for your offense, your defense was really standing tall to keep it a tight game. The wind was a huge factor in it, and so you're only down t- three at the half at 10-7. Was, was it, uh, I guess, stressed the importance of coming out in the third quarter with possession with a good opening drive because that's exactly what you had to go down the field and get the touchdown to take the lead? Yeah, I mean, we felt like, obviously, uh, in the first half, offensively, we left some plays out there. We had a couple of busts where, um, you know, really they just got after us in a pass rush and, and caused a couple of negative plays. But we felt like that, that the plan that we had was good. We just needed to go out there and, and uh, stay with it and execute. Felt like the really special teams is what had hurt us. We had a bad punt, and then we allowed a, a punt return on one where the returner was really sprinting forward to come get it both of the time, giving, you know, giving Round Rock the ball deep in our, in our territory. Um, and so really just getting the kids to to uh, settle down a little bit, trying to make some tweaks um, slightly, but just go out there and play. And yeah, certainly the weather was a factor. I mean, it was it was cold, but the wind the wind is always the thing that you know that we've noticed that can have the biggest impact. Uh, certainly trying to throw the football and also in the kicking game. And so it was uh, that was tough. I and mean, we kind of joked 
it's uh, it was difficult to run into the wind, let alone throw or, or punt the other night. Yeah, uh, and and your guys really seem to have that sense of purpose. You used the wind to your advantage also uh, against Round Rock and, and got a, uh, a, a hand on the football as well. Uh, it it looked like your defense and your special teams really fed off your offense after that opening drive of the second half. Yeah, I thought we got some momentum going. Obviously, the offense come out and scoring, and then uh, Guillermo Lavin, real heady play, uh, rushing to get a hand on that punt, and. Um, so again, it's it's high school football and and uh, momentum and and just kind of the kids being energized by that help us and and we were able to get a win against a really good team. You know, Coach Cheatham's bunch is always about as tough as anybody you'll play in the area. Uh, they had a couple of guys out. They also, you know, the they had a really dynamic receiver that ended up playing and then uh, you know their starting quarterback played some, but certainly wasn't in there as much as he normally would be. Hank, uh, I watched a little bit of the ball game and anytime I watched it defensively, it, it seemed like I was looking at Gavin McCullough's numbers. He only had seven tackles, uh, according to what I'm looking at, but it seemed like he was around the football every single play. Uh, what did you like about him in the playoff game, and, and what kind of years he had for you? Yeah, Gavin did. He had a great night. Um, you know, I think Coach Burton, our linebackers coach, was was praising him and his play throughout the evening. We watched film that, that next morning. Uh, he was showing up in the right place. Um, he's a great kid. He's a two-sport athlete. He's a really good baseball player as well. Um, and he, he's had a great season. We, we really rotate three guys in there for those two linebacker spots. But Gavin is about—he's just been a heady player, and he's always been around the ball. There's a couple times he had some quarterback hurries as well. Made a big play on a screen that was—you uh, know—could have been an opportunity for a, a big yardage maker for them. But yeah, Gavin's had a great year, and he's still learning and getting better. I think uh, him being a junior, and you know, I still think the best is yet to come for him. Visiting with Hank Carter, head coach of the Lake Travis Cavaliers, here on Light the Tower on the Horn with Craig Way, Jeff Howe, and Snoop Daniel. Coach, I almost felt like the guys felt bad for being so happy after that first round win because I think, like, in the past, y'all have dominated that matchup so well. But uh, what does that say about that? I guess that the overall um, uh, rise of Austin football in that by-district round. Yeah, I mean, obviously, I think that uh, there's a lot of great teams, and when we match up with the other districts, I mean, those those games have been tough in the past sometimes, too, and obviously we lost the one back in 20. Uh, I was excited for our kids just because, you know, the – it's it's been a challenging year. Obviously, we're not used to losing many ball games. We've lost four, and so there's, um, you know, the, the natives get a little restless. Meaning the coaching staff, the players, the community, everybody, and um, for us to go out and really to play well against a very physical team at their place in a, in a ball game to where it was cold and windy. I just think our kids were excited, to, you know, be able to uh, to go out there and play like we're capable of. Certainly for a half, anyway. And um, you know, hopefully that will give us confidence going into this Friday night. Uh, be able to go out there and try to do it again. Hank, I, I was really impressed by how you were able to use both Caden Leone and Bo Edmonds in there, everything be, that Bo's been through. And, and we had a couple of shots here on the Bally's telecast of how excited he was on the sideline and how fired up he was and uh, was was uh, encouraging his teammates a, as well. And 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 Caden did great things in terms of leading your ball club up and down the field and uh, great uh, touch on those touchdown passes uh and and yet uh, there was Bo also helping out in the toss back uh to uh, to Caden for the touchdown pass and then and then of course Bo extended the ball over for the goal line for the final uh, score how good was it to get him really centrally involved in a game that had a lot of impact for you well yeah that's great i mean you know the the, the thing that Bo has his intellect and his um his presence and his leadership it's just um, in our program right now, it's it's really second to none. And so for 
for what he's done, it's been obviously this is not the type of year that he had planned for. You know, and he was thinking he was going to go to Michigan State and play major college football, and and right now that part of it's on hold. But um, he's been a, as good a leader and as good a teammate as you could ask for. Now um, he is a pretty fiery guy, and so he's uh, most most of the time. And the way kids communicate now, they much much rather text or get on Snapchat or whatever. Both's kind of old school, um, and so he's a pretty fiery and emotional kid. Uh, but to get him out there, we had we had him involved in a couple of special packages, and and uh, he just went out there and did a great job. And I joked with him, um, you know, he's running around like Lamar Jackson out there, which he's not the greatest runner, but he made a couple of good plays with his feet, um, and, it, and it helped get us a win. And so I was excited for him and for our team. You know, in uh, terms of other guys we've talked about, and this is obviously going to lead us into the conversation about Steele, but on our telecast on Bally's, we had Sam Self. Uh, listed it as the player of the game because in addition to the touchdown grabs, he made some spectacular catches for him. And I, and I chuckle when I think about it because I know what you had to go through in the time with the injuries and had to play Sam at quarterback the last time he played Steel. But uh, uh, he, he, I guess he's just proving that uh, wherever you need him, he can he can be there for you. Yeah, he had a big game Friday night, and he he's just a baller. Um, he could play a million different positions for us, and he's physical and he. He can make contested catches. You know, the great thing about kids that have played quarterback, they typically have good hands just because everything's in the shotgun now. And and Sam has evolved into to a pass catcher, and you know, probably even better than we dreamed he would. He made a great contested catch the other night uh, going down the sideline. And obviously, once he gets the ball in his hands, he's he's such a rowdy runner, he's hard to bring down. But, yeah, going back to the first go-around with Steele, he was taking the snaps, and, um, and he performed well. Um, but, you know, he'll have a little different role this time around and, and back to, to the things that we really want to see him doing, which is blocking, catching, and you know, running the football after the catch. Hank, how much uh, do you look back on that game, not necessarily from because you just outlined how it's going to be different offensively for your group now that you've got uh, Caden uh, back there and, and Bo also uh, available for you at quarterback and have Sam out at the receiver so it's a different role. But in terms of what your defense, and your defense comes off a really dominant effort, I thought Jacob Henry played about as well a game as he's played all season long. And to play uh, Steel again, how much – are you able to look back on there and what your defense was doing that? Because that was a shootout, a high-scoring 35-28 ball game. But how much can you take from that game all the way back at week two in your preparation for this week? Yeah, I agree with you. Jacob was all over the field Friday night, and our first go-around was still. He was active in that game as well. So we're going to need him to, to try to duplicate that effort. I, I do think uh, the big guys, now that it's cooled off, playing a, playing a game and some of that hurry-up and no huddle and that tempo – does not have the same impact on our defensive line that it did back, um, you know, when it was 100 degrees outside. And so those those big boys, um, you know, when, when it's 50 degrees or 40 degrees outside, and you're you're snapping you know snapping the ball 65 or 70 times, they're they're going to have a lot more juice in their legs than they did back then uh, earlier in the season. And I do think we can learn a lot from the first go around just from to see how they want to attack us. Uh, we kind of joked around and, you know, hey, let's just take the plays and the calls that didn't work and not run them, just go around and we ought to be good. <laughs> well, the problem is they can do the same thing. But uh, it does. It's familiarity. You can see their their staff had a week to plan for us. And here, here's the things they wanted to go do. And here's the things that worked well. So let's try to make some adjustments. Uh, but we're both in the same boat, you know, in that regard. They can do the same with us. And I, th- I think it's going to be a battle. It's two really good football teams. I love how our team is playing right now. This is this is what we want. We want to be playing our best ball going into the most critical time of the season, and I think we are. Hank, final thing here. Uh, we've gotten some questions about this of folks wanting to know 
uh, how the decision came about to play at the field in Pflugerville on Friday night. And I've explained before there's home versus home and neutral home versus neutral home and sometimes just a neutral site agreed upon. How did this fall into the negotiation where it ultimately wound up being uh, at the field in Pflugerville? Yeah, so um, you know, in the second round, there's still a challenge trying to find enough venues that um, a combination of things, large enough venues to support the two crowds. You know, we expect this will be a big, a big turnout. There'll be a lot of uh, folks from each fan base that'll want to be there. So we want to have a large enough venue to get everybody there. We want it to be close enough for both fan bases and for both schools that are traveling, all the teams and the auxiliary groups. Um, but really, it's availability, and that's where it came down to. We. We uh, had a little contingency with Canyon, but it would, you know, a lot of teams, if their teams are still in the playoffs, they won't host the game, even if their stadium is open. And so there's a lot of factors that come into play. At the end of the day, we're able to get to, to play over at the field. Um, it's going to be about an hour drive for us, probably about an hour and 20 for them, maybe an hour and 25. So even though on a map it looks like it's a lot closer for us, just their, their ability to hop on the road and get there quickly, um, I think it's going to work out for both fan bases. It's a beautiful stadium. Um, and, and really, at the end of the day, we just needed somewhere that could hold both crowds. And um, and I think the folks at Pflugerville are looking forward to having the game. Yeah, we're looking forward to the broadcast. It'll be Friday night here on the Horn at 730. Hank, as always, appreciate the time. Thanks for joining us. We'll look forward to visiting with you again next week. You bet. Thank you all. All right. That's Hank Carter, head coach of the Lake Travis Cavaliers, joins us each uh, Tuesday. So for those of you asking, that's how they arrived at the field in Pflugerville for the game you you have to get uh, you know if you're if you've made the decision that you're going to go with a neutral or, or what are called neutral homes with a flip because you have that where you pick a site that isn't your home stadium but it's kind of in your area and the other school does likewise and then you flip or do the coaching guide zip code bingo as I always say that kind of thing you do that. That you also need to pick out facilities that are big enough to hold a couple of 6A fan groups and bands and and uh, drill teams, all of that. Uh, so and and it's and a facility that really works well in terms of locker rooms. So there's a lot of things that go into it. It's not just what is geographically halfway situated uh, between one school and another. So there there's a couple of things there. All right, um, uh, and I know somebody had asked specifically about that. Okay, uh, and uh, we've got a couple of things to get to, but right now we have to get to our Longhorn Notebook. Jeff Howe's Longhorn Notebook, brought to you by Aaron Bowersock. Not only the home loan expert, but your Longhorn lender. Check out Aaron on the web at BowersockTeam.com. B-O-W-E-R-S-O-C-K. BowersockTeam.com. I just kind of want to run down, uh, Craig, how rough it's been for uh, for the Texas offense on mm-hmm. their last 18 drives. Okay. So basically the entire TCU game in the second half, or the entire TCU game, second half of the K-State game. Uh, on the offense's last 18 drives, you got one kneel down. That was against K-State, the, the end of the K-State game. Ten punts, two turnovers, three turnovers on down, two field goals. So that's six points, 313 total yards, 3.2 yards per play, uh, 43 for 91 on the ground. That's 2.1 yards per carry. Quinn Ewers, 22 for 48. That's a 45.8% completion rate. No touchdowns, one interception, 222 yards. 21 first downs on money downs. That's third and fourth down. You're five for 15, so converting about 33%. That's not good. And not that this is all on the offense, but penalties. You're at 14 for 122 in your last six quarters on penalties. And that's 
actually disappointing because last year, as rough as things got, Texas had improved penalties year over year from where they were from Tom Herman's last year to Sark's first year. You go to now, Texas, Craig, whether you're looking at penalties per game, penalty yards per game, they're dead last in the Big 12. So that's something that's got to get fixed. It's got to be turned. It's got to be turned around. We they've gone from untimely penalties to just a slew of penalties, and you know you get a couple ones like a roughing the punter or whatever the the fifteen yarders, those will add up pretty quick. So I want to go over that. I also wanted to go back real quick before we talk about the big picture. I wanted to look at the TCU game. Just from the standpoint of, and, and again, I'm not. I'm trying not to bash the Texas offense, but I do want to look at uh, the, the the stuff that I talked about that was going to be big for Texas. The basically go back to my three keys to a Longhorn victory on Friday. One was win the explosive play battle. Uh, you lost that seven to four, and two of TCU's explosive plays went for touchdowns: the 75-yard Kendra Miller touchdown run and the 29-yard Quentin Johnston touchdown catch, or I'm sorry, the 31-yard Quentin Johnson touchdown catch on the coverage bust. So you lost explosive plays basically in a landslide. Uh, The other one was situational football and specifically the red zone. Now, the red zone, uh, both teams were identical. Each had one to two possessions in the red zone. Both teams came away with three points. Uh, That said, when you look at the Longhorns, Overall, going back to money downs, TCU 7 of 18 on third down, Texas third and fourth down, and TCU never attempted a fourth down, Texas third and fourth down combined. Uh, How about two for 17 on money downs? And we know field position was just a nightmare for Texas, especially in the first half. That's one of the reasons why it was hard, Craig, for the offense to get on track because it's hard to do that when you're coming off your goal line. Your play calls completely change. And I'm not – look, I'm not excusing. I talked yesterday about, you know – how things went bad for Sark, but that just shows you, man, when you keep flipping the field. I mean, I, and that's maybe the most impressive thing about the defense. I mean, you kept flipping the field. TCU had four possessions that started in plus territory, and you in the first half only giving up three points. It was just a great effort by the defense. So it was one explosive play battle, situational football, and then the middle eight, you lost the middle eight. You gave up that field goal right before the half, and you had to deal at the end of the first half where Sark called the timeout and let the clock run down, called the timeout, and punted on fourth and one, which, as I said yesterday, I didn't have – I understood his reasoning, and I didn't have a huge problem with it because at that point, if you fail right there, now you're giving them the ball at midfield and maybe the dam breaks on the defense or whatever. So just wanted to go over that just to kind of encapsulate how rough it's been for the Texas offense. Now – uh, by the way, somebody on the Specs text line said, would that mean that Texas opponents would be number one in least amount of penalties and penalty yardage? I will, that would take some different research. Yeah, uh, actually, Oklahoma State right now leads the Big 12 uh, in p- fewest penalty yards per game. They're at 35.1. Well, that would speak to that 14 penalties called against Texas, none yeah, against Oklahoma State game. fewest penalties, if you give me just a second, uh, Oklahoma State leads the Big 12 in fewest total penalties. Penalties per game, that should be the same. Yeah, Oklahoma State. Oklahoma State number two in the country if you penalties per game. Right Buoyed now. by that 14 penalties called against Texas and none against Oklahoma State in the game in Stillwater. 14-0. Uh, yeah, not not ideal. It's uh, not, not good. So I want to talk about the big picture because I understand the frustration of Texas fans. I talked about this when I was on Alt Coke FM this morning. I understand the frustration of Texas fans because – this is where, because you've done the coaching change thing so much in the last 12 years, it's not Sark's fault what's happened 
in the decade plus before he got here, right? But he's charged with fixing it, and you get to a point where the fan base just doesn't want to hear, well, you're young, you're building the program, blah, 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 especially when they see you know, the results Sonny Dykes is getting in year one and Dave Aranda in year two wins a conference championship and, and so on and so forth. I can keep going on down the line, but – I think it's not what you got to remember in terms of is is this the right guy? Is this thing headed in the right direction? You have to have two different schools of thought. You can you can, you can be disappointed, and you should be disappointed with the TCU game. If you want to be frustrated and furious about the TCU game, go have at it. Horrible night for everybody involved on the offense. Whatever that that's different. But you can also look at it and say, yeah. This team has improved year over year. And whether it's Jalen Ford or Kelvin Banks, Jatavian Sanders, going down the line, we see guys getting better. Ryan Watts, Terrence Brooks, we see their guys are getting better. We see some positive signs of player development. So it's not an all or nothing thing. And I say that, and I, I'm I'm going to do something that I don't normally do. I'm going to speak to the I don't want to say the irrational fans, but the fans that have the knee-jerk reaction of, okay, do, do you want to, well, maybe you should fire Sark. Maybe we should get this guy. Maybe we should get that guy. Look, if you want to, and I'm just speaking for me, I've, I haven't seen enough at this point to unequivocally say Sark is the guy that's going to get this turned around and get this to where everybody wants to be. But I feel like I have seen enough positives to say, Let's keep going on this trajectory. Let's keep going down this road for a little bit. Whether it's recruiting, whether it's player development, the culture. He hasn't lost the team. This team's, the team's still playing hard. Uh, you do have a freshman quarterback that's had some struggles, and I talked about it a lot yesterday. That you, as a coach, I think you've got to do a little, a lot more to help him out in some of those situations, including in light of what Sark said yesterday at the press conference, where hey, Quinn's going with the ball where it's designed to go. So I think I just think Texas fans need to take a step back. And just look at the two things separately. You can be mad, upset, and frustrated about the loss and the fact that you no longer control your own destiny for the Big 12 title, uh, at least a birth in the Big 12 title game. But at the same time, you can look at the body of work, and even though the losses are piled up and it's a four-loss team and the one-score nature of those losses, you can look at this team and say, yeah, they are improved, and you can feel like they're headed in the right direction. Now, could a lot of that change if you don't win these last two games? Absolutely. But if you go win these last two games against two, it's Kansas and Baylor, so I know historically it's tough for Texas fans to view it through this prism. It's two quality opponents. Oh, and by the way, I mentioned I was going to have a Kansas quarterback update. There's a report out that Jalen Daniels is going to be available for this mm-hmm. game. I am I was told last night, expect that to be true. Yeah. And he should be the guy on the field against Texas. They've got him listed number one on their depth chart on the game notes for what that's worth. Sometimes yeah. the guys are listed and, they have, and there's no intention of those guys playing at all. But he is listed in their game notes as being number one on their depth chart. And I think they kind of have to go with him this week because Jason, uh, Jason Bean's banged up yeah. and right. their third stringer's a freshman. Right. So that's just it's unfortunate for Texas that the game that Jalen Daniels is coming back is going to be Here it is. Game. But it's two quality opponents, man. I really think, Craig, you get this thing done with eight wins and you know, you look at the guys that have made progress. And if Quinn especially if Quinn bounces back and has two good games in the year, uh I, I think people will feel better about it. Not that people will feel satisfied, you'll feel better about it. Now, likewise, you can lose these last two games real easy. So it's it's real it's a slippery slope right now. But right now I just think you need to for now, for the time being, you just need to try to separate the two. Okay. All right. 
Uh, so uh, there is our Longhorn notebook for this hour. Uh, one other uh, little basketball note because our friend uh, Travis at Hay City Store said, do you know if the upper deck will be open for the Gonzaga game? I can tell you that it will not be. Uh, they have made the decision, and the, at least for now, you know, things can always be subject to change that during this first season, certainly, they will only have that 10,000, what is it, 743, 10-7-6-3 seating configuration uh, for, uh, for home basketball games. That's what, they're, that's what they're going with right now. Maybe I, somewhere down the line, yeah. but not yet. And, I do think and it's definitely cool. not tomorrow night for the Gonzaga game. No, I do think it's cool, though, that they added the SRO section up top yes. for the students. I, I dig that. Yep. Yep, absolutely. Yeah, I think that adds to it as you well. You ever gotten you an Snoop? You ever gotten you an SRO ticket for a game that's standing room only? Nah, he just goes and stands anyway <laughs> yes. when he goes into a lot of those, right? Yeah, you just kind of go and you're you're standing there mm-hmm. anyway. I'm too anxious to sit down. Yeah, I, I don't. Th- I, I did that for uh, an Astros playoff game. I had a speaking engagement in Houston one year. It was uh, the 2017 season. They were playing yeah. the game one with the Red Sox in the wild card round. It was that same day. And a couple of my buddies were like, hey, uh, if you're going to Houston, why don't we all go and go to the Astros game? So we got standing room only tickets, and I was standing in center for that. was the Ho- uh, Jose Altuve three, three home run game off of Chris Sale. Uh, did the buzzer work in that day? Save your continue. trash can and your buzzer. Hey, that is as tried and true as the Gerald comments. Just saying. <laughs> you know? that's as Chris Sale was hard to hit, man. Yeah, but at least the Astros won something out of it. Gerald just has to deal with, you know, being Gerald for the rest of their lives. All right. Second round of the playoffs this weekend, you know. <laughs> okay. All right. <laughs> I can see the wheels I'm sure the, sh- I'm sure the shanties will be empty Here this we weekend go. as they <laughs> All right. All right. hitch up the wagons and head to wherever that game is being played. All right. Coming up. We'll uh, we'll have inconceivables. We continue to light the tower on the horn. Other four nine one zero one nine AM twelve sixty. We're live, local, and digital on the horn app and at hornfm dot com. You talked about how you inconceivable, 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 inconceivable. You keep using the horn. I don't think it means what you think it means. It is inconceivable time. So uh, I'll, I'll move beyond. One of the stories that was out there, I heard uh, Bucky and Aaron talking about this morning, and you guys hit it yesterday about the cannabis yep. ears mm-hmm. that, uh, thing there. So with Mike Tyson, Evander Holyfield. Teaming up. Wow. Okay. Well, that's a unique way of looking at it, you might say. Snoop and I did have a few off-color marijuana references, but, uh, you know, such is life. Yeah. That happens. That, that happens on occasion. All right. Here's here's what else we have. Um First of all, it's just a, it's not a good story. Fortunately, it looks like he'll be all right. You hear about Jay Leno? No, he got uh, burned or something. Uh, yeah. Uh, received Barnes' left side of the face. You know, he's a big car guy. Yeah. So there's lots of cars, and he has this garage in Burbank. And he's got these steam cars, like his old-timey ones. And one of them sprayed gas on him. The fuel then ignited. He's man on fire. Jeez. 